1: Tomorrow, and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then.
0: Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast.
1: We're not telling you that you should accept the 80,000. Don't. Like, don't go forward. Don't apply for the job. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you want 95, back yourself.
0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name is Emma and I'm a radio journalist who's teamed up with my sister to give you advice, inspiration and support when you're looking for that new job. Sarah is a HR and recruitment professional and together we're here to give you all the tips, tricks and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Hey Em and
1: welcome back everyone. Who are we giving a shoot your shot shout out to this week Em?
0: This week, we are shouting out Yiska. Yiska says, Hi ladies, I happened upon an internal job opportunity with my company that would be a completely different path and in a moment of temporary insanity, decided to toss my hat in the ring. I created a resume, in brackets, I grew into my current role from a very entry-level position over the past 12 years. So, they needed to, you know, spruce up the resume. And I hit submit. When I received a call back for an interview, I panicked. That's when I found your podcast. You guys have held my hand through three very nerve wracking interviews. You spoke to my imposter syndrome, helped me hone in on my strengths and gave me the confidence to ask for the job. I received a call with the offer today. Thank you both for helping to empower others and being a positive light in this world. I'll absolutely recommend your podcast to others. Cheers. Oh,
1: this is so lovely. I love the idea that we're holding people's hands. I would like want to make that our
0: tagline. Like, we'll hold your hand. We're going to be with you every step of the way. 100%. We'll hold your sweaty hand. You've got this. (laughs) Ew, you made it weird. I love the temporary moment of insanity too. Like we've all been there of like, what have I just done? But it turned out to be great. And I'm so proud of you for having the courage to do that. I
1: replied to Yiska and I said, we fully endorse your temporary insanity. So if you're out there listening, this whole point of this shout out is to say, shoot your shot. So we encourage you to have a moment of temporary insanity and apply for a job internally,
0: just like Yiska. You know what's not insanity, though? Booking in for a coaching session with Sarah if you're in need of a little more help. That was smooth. That was so smooth. As always, if you want to request an episode on your situation or industry, give us a follow on Instagram, kindly slide into our DMs, and you could be the person that we dedicate a whole episode to, which we do all the time. But today, we are talking about money, money, money. It's all about the dollars, (laughs)
1: which really... At the end of the day, that's why we work. Like, ain't nobody going to work. It's for literally
0: free. the only reason I'm there. Yeah.
1: It's the only reason I'm there. And like let's the be real. Other things decide which job you might do, but they're not the reason that you work. The reason you work is money. And then the other things are which job you're going to end up choosing. I think that's how I like to think about it. But at the end of the day,
0: nobody's wanting you to pretend that you're not here for the money. That's then we were all just trying to stay alive. I remember in my first traineeship, like my first job out of school, I had a full-time traineeship. And in the interview, they asked me why I wanted the job. And I was like, focused on trying to list all the good reasons or whatever. I was like, you know, just to get some skills before uni and to have a break before I, you know, move away and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she was just nodding along. And then she looked at me and was like, and you know, to earn some money as if like, it's okay to say that it's you want to earn some money in your gap year. And I was like, oh yes, of course.
1: Yeah. Well, like I find that people shy away from that as well. Like obviously you don't want to be like, well, I want to get paid. That's why I'm here. Again, interviewers mostly want to hear about that part of like, yes, I know that's why you want a job, but why do you want, this job. Like that's kind of for granted, but it's okay to kind of fit that in if you had been like, well, I'm going to uni and I really need to save up so that I can move away. Like it's about your goals. Totally. That's
0: a perfect story. Yeah. But specifically with money, we are going to be talking about if the salary range for the job you like is too low, how to navigate that when you're looking for jobs, there's ones you like, but they're just listed a bit too low for your liking. What do you do How do you navigate it? It
1: might be less than what you're on at the moment. It could even just be less than what you ideally want. It doesn't really matter. Whichever situation you're in, I think this episode is going to be perfect for you. Before we get into the rest of this, you're only going to know if you're in this situation if you find out the salary. It's so important that you do that before you get to offer stage. Step one. Yes. Step one before you listen to this episode, find out what the salary is or just find out if they are comfortable with your salary expectations. Like if you've shared those and they were like, yep, great, and they've moved forward, you can assume that they're all good with your expectations.
0: And as a refresher, if we've got our new listeners in that haven't listened to our other episodes about negotiating salary and everything like that, if they didn't put the salary on the job posting and they haven't asked you what your expectations are, when are we coming in clutch to ask what the salary is? Interview? Yeah, absolutely. If they have Before haven't,
1: then? It should be in your very first contact with them. If you get a phone call and it's the very first phone call, you should be asking at the end. I think most people are going to be asking you your salary expectations or they'll ask you to put it on the application form or something. But if they don't, it's completely okay to say, look, I just want to understand your budget for the role. I'm looking for a salary of X. And we've done episodes on how to work out that number and how to be confident in stating that number and not having to justify it. So go and listen to those episodes. But you need to have that one number and say, I just want to make sure we're on the same page before we move forward. I'm looking for a salary of X. Is that possible for this role? And
0: get an answer from them. Thoughts on if you just see the job posted and there's a number for like, if you have any questions, call the recruiter, call the manager, whatever. Thoughts on calling to ask the range before you've even applied or had an interview, yay or nay? Yeah,
1: sure. Absolutely. The thing is, I think your goal should be to say, are they able to accommodate your expectations the likelihood of them actually just full giving out the range if they haven't posted it on the ad is pretty unlikely and you could be a competitor calling up to try and find out what they pay their people and if you like there's a bit of hesitancy to give out the range to a full stranger but also even just to give out the full range as a whole as well and there's a whole lot of reasons for that but i won't get into that right now but let us know if you want an episode on that so you're more likely to be able to get a good answer if you say hey i'm looking Looking for X, is that within the salary range for this position? And I like it. Yeah, you'll be able to get a better answer that way because people say, What's the range? I'm like, Well, I don't know where you sit. I don't want to give you the full numbers. Like it just yeah, it's like a weird standoff thing. So state your number.
0: Yes. And that's why it's important to have done your own research and know the salary you expect. You don't want to go in blind. And then when they ask you or it comes time to that, you just having to make it up on the spot. You need to know this way before you're having this discussion. And we've talked about before
1: where sometimes you may not care about the salary. Like it's your first ever job. Maybe it's a career change. It's like you actually just don't mind. You're happy to accept whatever they're willing to give you. Maybe you're not working at the moment and salaries, they're not most. you just need some stable work. In those circumstances, it's okay to not have a salary expectation or to set a low one or to whatever. That's completely fine. But this episode's probably not for you because then you wouldn't be thinking that it's too low. We're talking about you have a kind of expectation for whatever reason and the job's not meeting that.
0: You can ask if the budget is set in stone or if there is some flexibility.
1: Yes, and I think when you get given, like let's say – I'm asked as a candidate, what are your salary expectations? And I say, I'm looking for 95000 for this role. And they say, oh, look, that's actually beyond our range. What you will often find is that they're more likely to actually give you transparency with the full range and they're likely to give you that top number if you happen to be over the range. I find that that's when recruiters and HR people and everyone is comfortable sharing that top number is when you're over it, actually, because they're wanting to go like, okay well, here's where the top of ours is compared to you is that okay? How far away are we? Is that within the realm of something you would consider? Whereas if you just say, what's the top of your range? <laughs> like, oh, I don't,
0: I'm just not going to tell you that. It can come across a bit like, hang on, we don't even know you or your yeah, like skills. We haven't got to know you if you're at that level yet. And also like, yeah, to
1: give a teaser on like what I kind of think about this, like if you have that number at the top of the range, we live in societies that don't often talk about pay f- very much. It's not very transparent still. That's just the culture. And so what happens is people are going to think about that number forever and they won't ever be able to forget it. And so when they get an offer that's not that, it's just disappointing, even though there might be good reasons for it. Like It's a challenging thing to kind of navigate. Anyway, so you're more likely to actually get that top number if what you're looking for is wanting to know what's the top of the range. If you speak first and you tell them what you're looking for, if you're over it, you're more likely to find that out. Now, if there is some flexibility in the range, it depends on the company, their policies, how they do things, you're more likely to actually get that flexibility and for them to actually be able to do something in terms of a higher offer than the top of their range. If your experience is very, very similar to the job you're going
0: for. If you've almost done it exactly this before. Yeah. And like you're quite senior
1: for it or you're like a very solid candidate. This role is very much within your skill set and experience. If it's a bit of a stretch for you, It's kind of like, well, we're paying above the top of our range, and this candidate still has some stuff that we need to develop them with. It's like there's two sacrifices they're making. You're just less likely to be able to get flexibility on that when they're already kind of being flexible on the skills and background that you have. If you have more experience than what they were looking for, or you've had more senior roles in the past, you might get more flexibility. If you have more experience than the other candidates who've applied, you might get more flexibility. So again, you can't actually know that. You don't know who else has applied, and, but it's just something I thought I'd throw in there because it is a big factor. Like let's say your experience is really solid for the role. You haven't got more than the role, but you've just kind of done this before, but everybody else applying, it's a bit of a stretch. It's a step up for all the other candidates. So in that case, they might be more willing to pay more for someone because they need someone really solid and there's no other candidates out there and they more willing to kind of stretch and meet your range but this is often a deal breaker early in the conversation this is why you should be having this conversation early because there's no point in going
0: oh we'll just talk about it later it's a complete waste of time on both sides and then later you're like oh my god i can't live off that there's no way it's a waste of everyone's time exactly which again
1: goes back to your research and you setting that number and really understanding like how far out of this are you? Should you even consider going ahead? And we've got some more detail that'll help you make that decision. There's no right or wrong, but everyone's going to be different. But I want you to think about a lot of stuff before you decide to go forward. It's at a special launch price, never to be seen again. Get more information at interviewboss.com.au forward slash interview dash academy. It's linked in the show notes
0: below. So, we're going to go into a bit of a little scenario here. So, let's say that there's absolutely no flexibility. You've asked and they've said, no, unfortunately, that is what we can offer. What we can offer is $80,000, but you're actually looking for $95,000. but You really like the job, you're considering it, you're thinking about it. Yeah. So let's do a bit of a
1: scenario with this in mind. This is where I think people go wrong. They consider taking it, right? And going, okay, look, I was looking for 95. I think I can probably make things work if I cut back some stuff and accept the 80,000. It's a company I really want and there's room for progression and there's all these other things. Now, that's a $15,000 difference in salary, which is about 20% difference. Quick maths. Yeah. So if we look at a typical annual salary increase where you're staying in the same job and the company is reviewing your salary, sometimes this is like an annual thing that happens. It might even be written into your enterprise agreement or some kind of thing like that. Across the board, this is Australia, this is the US, this is I'm sure most other places in the world. Typical annual increases are 2% to 5% per year. It changes a little bit depending on what's going on for the company, the environment, the labour market, like all these different things. There's so much that factors into that. But a typical increase that you can expect year on year is about 2 to 5%. And I think a lot of people don't realise that because 2 to 5% is not going to get you to 95000 within a year of you starting that job. So if you're thinking... No, that's
0: like five years. <laughs>
1: well, we did the maths and it's actually six years. Wow, okay. So if you got an increase at year one and we've assumed that it's 3% per year. So if we've gone between two and five, we're on the generous side. Well, we've gone with three, not four, not five, but you know, it's conservative. Let's say you got 3% increase every single year. You started on 80,000, you accepted the job. In year one, you got a pay increase and you went to 82400 So a 3% increase is $2,400 per year. It's not much, right? Then in year two, You got another 3%, that would take you to 84,800. And then it keeps going. Year six would be when you got that increase to go into 95,000. So if you were getting the average increase year on year, it would take you six years to make up the gap for that pay cut that you took. Now, I'm not here saying that you shouldn't accept it. It's a completely personal decision. What I don't want you to do, though, is accept it and think that, oh, I'll just ask for a pay rise after I've worked there. Because 5% to 20% is what you can expect if you're being promoted or you're changing jobs. So that's not even that high. Like, Some people think in order to be promoted, I can get a 50% pay increase or a 40% pay increase or whatever. It's typically up to 20% for being promoted or changing roles. So, Essentially, what you'd need to do is come into this role and be promoted, which typically isn't going to happen after a year. It'll be at least longer than that. Like you just need to be realistic about how long is it going to take you to actually earn what you want to earn in the long term, if that's part of your plan. And
0: hypothetically, if this person that wants 95 wants that because they were already earning quite similar or that's what they were at, but you know, they even wanted more, then it's going to take you so long to even reach 95, which was what you were asking for, let alone beyond that. Which maybe 95 was your conservative amount that was like, that was what my last job was, but you know, I'm looking to go even further. I think there is this misconception that you can just get in there and hustle your way up and get promotions, which 100% look, you can do well by, you know, working your way up in a company. But typically, I think pay increases are a lot more conservative than people imagine them to be generally. It's kind of unheard of to get 40 extra grand in a pay rise. Yes.
1: And look, maybe your organisation that you're going into is going to be really different to that. Maybe you get no annual increases and then you just ask for a pay rise and they review it and maybe you can get large increases. Maybe that's possible. But most companies are going to be two to five percent per year. Now, the other thing with that I want to clarify is M that's not even guaranteed. No, this is hypothetical. Your company doesn't have to increase your pay at all year on year. And it all depends on a whole heap of stuff. Some companies will base it on like how much the market for that job has moved. It'll often be based on the company and how they're performing. Like if they're not making money and they're making people redundant, Mm. ain't nobody getting a pay increase. Like that's just one of those things. It's just not going to
0: I just think of the behind the scenes, like if this manager already went into bat to get the salary at what it is because they were just met with no's, no's, but they knew we need to make it a little bit competitive because we're struggling to hire anyone. And so, yeah, if you're accepting that job, the top of the range, and then you're coming in going, hey, I'd like a really sizable increase, like the finance, you know, CEO team who make these decisions are going, you were just accepted for that like why aren't you happy with it
1: yes and i think something i want to kind of talk about here is that it's not about what you as a person are worth it's about what the job you're doing is worth and that's a bit of a different way of thinking about it and that's how compensation strategy works in inside companies they're looking at the value of that seat dependent on the company so let's say You're working in a really local-based company and their revenue is only a couple of million dollars per year as a total company and they've got X amount of employees and they're in a very small margin kind of industry. So the owner really isn't making that much compared to the amount of turnover that they're making and your role is an administrative role. There's nothing wrong with administrative roles, but it's just that the more you work or the better you are at your job doesn't actually make the company as a whole any more money or get any more efficient or save anything, there's a point at which there's just no more value in paying more money to that role because it's not going to contribute to the business as a whole. That's a bit different when you're in a role like a sales role where your salary can be dependent on how much you're actually selling because it's literally dependent on, hey, I've made the business this much money, therefore I can afford to be paid more. Those are where salary gets to be a little bit more flexible or where you're directly contributing to being a kind of manager or executive or you've got more influence and ability to change things and potentially have a bigger impact on the company. But you essentially get to a point with any kind of job, no matter how amazing you are at it, that particular set of skills is just not worth more than X amount of dollars and that's kind of what the market sets for different types of roles. How much are they in demand? That's how you get things like fly-in, fly-out work being paid so highly. Does it mean that you have to be smarter? Does it mean that it's harder? Does it mean it takes more skills? No, it means not many people want to do it. And so you have to be paid a lot in order to make people go and do it. That's how a lot of these kind of environments work. And yes, there's unions and there's all sorts of other things that factor into that. But at the end of the day, the salary that companies pay for things is based on supply and demand. It's a market. We live in a capitalist society and that's how these things work. Unfortunately. Yeah. Them being able to pay $80,000 for this role is not a measure of your only worth as a person, $80,000 in the next company where it's a bigger company and they're in a higher profit industry. Maybe that role is easy to earn $95,000.
0: I kind of hate hearing this. Like I I feel like it's hard to hear. It's like, "Mm!" but I guess it is a little bit of a mindset shift that could be helpful that In that sense, yeah, they're not saying to you, we only think you're worth 80,000 because really it has so much else to do with all this other behind the scenes stuff. It really almost has nothing to do with you. It's likely got to do with what position the company's in, how the boss was bloody feeling that day. It's kind of like, let's say for interview boss, we were going to hire a marketing person
1: and they said, well, I'm worth $100,000 a year working full time. And we'd be like, well, interview boss doesn't earn $100,000 a year. So in this context, that is not worth it. Is it worth us going into debt in order to pay this person? No, of course not. Absolutely not. In a different business where they're making millions a year and this is a really critical resource, maybe that's an easy decision. Like That's how these things kind of work. So the only reason I say all of this and all this background is because I've seen this happen. I've seen people take less than what they were looking for after a very transparent conversation. Hey, look, what you're looking for is beyond our maximum. Our maximum is X. Are you okay with that before we kind of go forward to interviews and whatever? Yep. Okay, understood. And then it goes through. We make an offer. The person considers it. They maybe try and negotiate. We maybe do a little bit of negotiating. And that final offer, they've accepted, right? They sign the contract. They resign from their job and they come across, but they weren't really that happy with it. And I think that's, we're not telling you that you should accept the 80,000. Don't, like, don't go forward. Don't apply for the job. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you want 95, back yourself. If you're going to make the decision to take the 80, or whatever number it is, I want you to make sure that's a realistic decision and that you're doing that considering how this impacts you long-term and making sure that you're going to be okay with like how this might look for you in the future and what's realistic for you to expect after you get in.
0: And maybe on the flip side, this has people going, no, I am going to take the 80 because I've been unemployed for four months. I was desperate to have my 95, but the current situation I'm in, I just need something and therefore, yes, it's fine if I stay on 80 yep. grand for a yep. year because that's what I need right now. And in that case, excellent. You've you've had that critical thinking. But on the flip side, yeah, if you're going, okay, This does look like a really great job, but I'm in a good position where I'm still at my current job. I've got the time and the space and the savings. I'm going to stand by it. Something else will pop up. Or you might be, hey, my boss is really toxic and I really
1: need to get out of there. I'm just going to take the 80 and then, you know, I'll deal with it later. I really encourage you if you're in that situation, think about how you're going to feel when that toxic situation is gone and you're a few months in are you going to really Mm. resent? Which is hard to do. Yeah, I know. In crisis mode, you just are thinking about the what's next. I know, but you should know yourself better to think about like, how am I going to feel? Am I the kind of person that gets resentful about what I'm paid and what I should have accepted and I shouldn't have accepted it and whatever. If something else comes up that you could have applied for later that pays more, are you going to really regret that? Now, I want to hone in on the kind of annual pay increase thing for a second here, because we often say to people when they're coming into the job, they ask about, oh, well, let me ask about what your kind of pay review or your performance review process looks like. How often do you review annual salaries or whatever? And you might get an answer from them saying, yep, we review it annually. We have a review process that we go through every year. I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, okay, great. I can get 95 in a year's time when I do my pay review. But I want you to come back to that 2 to 5%. If you don't know, if you don't have any other input or information, you should assume that's what they're doing on an annual basis, if not zero, actually. And I wanted to touch on CPI versus WPI. Have you heard this? Um...
0: Of course I have. I'm a journalist. CPI is the Consumer Price Index, which in normal people terms means how much it costs to live, how expensive life is. Exactly. Now, there are plenty
1: of finance creators out there who have everyone's best interests at heart. Truly they do. Some of these are people that I absolutely look up to, but they make content that says, and I'm sure you've seen this, Em. If your employer isn't paying you a 6% increase this year, then you are getting a pay decrease. Now, yes, I understand that is how it works if you look at the cost of living and you look at where your salary sits and inflation and all those things. I understand where they're coming from. It's just, that's not how companies work. I'm not saying that this is how they should work. I hope you should know that by now if you listen to us. I'm not saying that this is right. I didn't come up with it. It's not my system. I'm just saying that's not how it currently works. And if you go in with that attitude of like, I'm going backwards, I'm getting a pay decrease, I demand a cost of CPI increase, that's just not your employer is not going to be coming from that perspective. And I wanted to touch on CPI versus WPI. So CPI, as you mentioned, is like an index of the cost of living. WPI though is the wage price index. So as we mentioned, wages and salaries and everything, it's all about supply and demand and how much those things increase or decrease based on whether there's available labor to do that job and whether there's skills and all that kind of stuff. Now, those are related often when CPI goes up WPI often goes up at the same time because people are demanding more money, people are costs for things. They're influenced by a lot of the same stuff, but they're also influenced by a lot of other things. So It could be unemployment levels, it could be migration levels, it could be location stuff, it could be technology advances. And WPI can be different depending on the types of jobs, so it might be really high for tech jobs because they're really in demand and so those wages go up really quickly. And often if companies are doing remuneration properly or using some data, they'll actually be looking at for all these different categories of jobs, how much did they move in the market. And they are more likely to be setting their percentage increases on WPI versus just how much do bananas cost. And I'm hoping that makes sense of why that would be the case because how much has the cost of these jobs changed in the market? That's what we're basing our two to five percent on, not necessarily just how much does fuel cost. Because as we kind of mentioned in our salary yes, episode. you don't want
0: to bank on going into the pay review chat and going, well, my rent has increased yeah. and my this, yep. you want to focus on your value and make it about you, not the external factors.
1: And the market and what other companies are paying for similar things. And it's not competitive and maybe your conditions or your bonuses or your whatever. Yeah, all of that stuff. So this is already advice that we've already given. I just wanted to give a little bit of background on that in case people were interested. That was the little nerdy behind the scenes pay review info, because I think people don't talk about this enough, like how this stuff actually works. And I want you guys to know this before you're going in
0: thinking about whether you take a job or not.
1: Now, my very last takeaway, Em, what is it? What's our big piece of advice?
0: If you're going to accept an offer for a certain amount of money, you must be content and okay with staying on that figure for at least a year, even longer, at least a year though, the very minimum. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't ask
1: earlier than that, but you need to think about when I'm accepting that's going to be my salary for a whole year.
0: We're not telling ourselves, I'm taking this, but then in three months, it'll change. You need to study your life's plan for the next year. Do you have kids? Are they going to private school in a year that you'll need to pay that? Like map out your life for a year and ask yourself, will this still suit me in a year? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And anything else on top of that, maybe your job does change and you can ask for a pay rise and you do perform really well and you get more than 5% or you do get promoted. All that's still possible. This
0: could go amazingly. We need to be conservative in our expectations. could even be longer than a year
1: you're on the same salary. But I've seen too many people come in and go, okay, I'm six months in. I'm like, you've only just learnt your job. You've only just started to know everybody's name. Like Now is not a time for you to be expecting an increase. Again, if things... Have changed and whatever. We're not saying you can't ask. It's just shouldn't be the basis on which you make this decision. Go out there and turn down those jobs, you know? Factor this info in, and if you aren't going to be happy with it, say no. Go on to the next thing. That's the takeaway here. We're not saying you should settle at all. I'm just saying if you settle, make sure you have thought about it all the information. Settle in for a year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you're going to be comfortable with like, hey, it's going to take me six years to get to this amount. And that example was based off like a 20% difference, but maybe your difference is smaller. Maybe it is only a couple of thousand dollars and you could close that gap really quickly. Great. Factor all that in. Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, hit that follow button in Apple or Spotify. You could leave us a cheeky little review or tell someone about the show. That's how we can hit the charts and we really have been lately. Thank you. And we can help even more people. For more advice, inspiration and a supportive community, check us out on Instagram at Interview Boss.